What's up everyone and welcome to episode 134 of the Justin Insight podcast, a show where we talk to people involved in the world of alternative music and find out what makes them tick. Uh, hope everyone's well, hope everyone's had a lovely week just gone past. Um, all my weeks seem to be rolling into one at the moment, I, I'm kind of losing track of time. Um, but it's pretty busy week, work as always, my day job is just shite, so yeah, kind of looking to kind of get out of that. ASAP um yeah without massive luck at the moment which is a bit shit but I'm not going to dwell on that too much I've got cool things to look forward to in the coming months so once they're kind of done and dusted I will hopefully be in a much better happier place um but yeah apart from shit stuff I went and saw uh Dawn Raid in a tiny venue in Bristol which was really cool um it was nice to to get to hang out with those guys as well because uh, I've known them for a number of years now, and I don't get to see them nearly as as often as as I'd quite like because they're from up north and they're obviously always touring. Don't really tour around the south too often, um, but yeah, it was really nice to kind of see them. And obviously, the new record which came out uh, last Friday, Friday before, I can't remember, came out recently. Uh, it's fucking wicked, and the songs sound awesome live as well. So. Yeah, got to see them. Um, and then my band played a couple of shows, which was really fun. Um, we played a show with a band called And, who uh, they... best way to describe them is kind of like Locust meets Beatdowns. Like, they dress up in checkerboard morph suits, and it's just re- like just heavy kind of metalcore stuff, but it's just really, really fun. So that was cool. Um, and then we played a show in Southampton where we headlined for some unbeknownst reason. But it was really fun. It was cool to, to play some of the new stuff, which we've been writing as well. So, yeah, that was the fun side of the week anyway. Um, haven't got a whole lot going on this week, apart from on Friday. Um, after work, I will be driving up to London to see Backtrack's last ever London show. Um, so that's going to be pretty wild. I'm not, I was going to take my camera, but f- I have a feeling there's going to be so many photographers and videographers there. So I'm just going to stand back and in- watch and enjoy the show. So yeah, if you're at that show, come say hi though, because um, it's going to be going to be wild. Um, yeah. Uh, also, it's been a couple of weeks since we've had an exclusive track played on the show. So let's have another one. Uh, This track that we're going to play for you this week is from uh, Bristol's Screamo Two-Piece and Friends of the Show Punch On. Um, It's off their upcoming EP, which is called Harm Passes Forward, uh, which is out on November 23rd. Uh, The song we're going to play is the opening track off that EP, which is called Harm or Flood Network. Um, So yeah, give it a listen and I'll see you in a minute.
So yeah, that is the track uh, Harm or Flood Network from Punch On. Uh, as I mentioned, the EP is out on November 23rd. Um, the money from the EP is going towards the campaign uh, Solidarity Not Silence, uh, which is helping a group of people from the punk community fight a defamation lawsuit. Um, I'm not going to go into too much details of it because, if I'm totally honest, don't know the legalities of it. Um but I will put details about the campaign uh, in the description of the podcast. So if you wish to donate to them, because it is a very, very, very worthy cause, because the person who is filing the, the case is a fucking arsehole, essentially. Um, I'll leave it at that. But yeah, go check that out. Um, also, Punch On will be heading out on tour uh, the day of the release uh, with a band from the States called Overo or Overo. How, I don't know how you pronounce it yet until I meet them I'm going with Overo um, but yeah if they're coming to a city near you make sure you go check it out uh, not Benice because there's two fucking awesome bands but I'm tagging along on the tour so another reason to come say hi to me thumbs up um, right I've babbled too long as always let's get into this week's guest uh, and this week I am joined by Soul Glow guitarist Ruben Polo uh, we discuss Ruben starting out being an awful trumpet player and then his discovery of how 
uh, learning guitar. Uh, how sort of local access TV network put him into discovering alternative music, and how Soul Glow has kind of changed and grown as a band, and how they're kind of pushing boundaries with what they're doing at the moment. So, yeah, please sit back, enjoy the chat that I have with Ruben, and I'll see you on the other side. Okay. Uh, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is uh, guitarist of uh, hardcore punk band Soul Glow, Ruben Polo. Ruben, thank you very much for taking some time out of your day to have a chat with me. How how is everything in your world? How how are you? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Uh, it's been a long day in traffic, but otherwise, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very good, thank you. Kind of a, a similar situation, but it sounds like you've had more traffic problems than I had. <laughs> Yeah. Well, as mentioned, kind of before I hit record, the show is called Justin Insight. I always like to begin with taking my guests kind of back to their origins, so to say. So, what kind of got you into alternative music? What was your kind of first exposure to it? Um, like punk music or just music in general? Uh, if we go with punk, and then we can kind of sort of work from there. Um, there used to be this old. Uh, music video channel right it was basically like if you called in pay a dollar song will come on oh okay yeah and I vividly remember Green Day when I come around playing and then like Real Big Fish and then like I guess like Nirvana naturally like Bush yeah and that was like the first real exposure like hearing it it wasn't really like played in my house. Right. So, were you kind of like into? Because you mentioned sort of then. So, what kind of music were you into up until that point then? I guess just like radio, like R and B, and like whatever, like like lap music was playing for my dad's car. Like, I don't know. It was pretty. I didn't really think about it. I guess before that. Yeah. So what was it that kind of drew you to to that sort of sound then, like with the whole sort of, as you say, Green Day, Real Big Fish kind of stuff? I couldn't, I couldn't even tell you. <laughs> it was, I remember I just was like, oh, I like this, what's this? And I just kept like waiting until the video would play again. I'd be like, I was this. <laughs> or like radio stations like playing like Bushes Glycerin and like stuff like that and then I think that's like System of a Down. Yeah. Like, having friends in this apartment complex that I lived at, or like these two other kids that were like, also people of color. Yeah. And we were, and I remember the one kid was like super into Rancid. And our cool, like, cool kid, like, you just play guitar a little bit. We play like stickball. Yeah. <laughs> but like, they got me into Deftones and Rancid respectively okay and cool kind of like changed pace and like system of a down and all that like deftones and corn yeah it was a, it was a rough it was a rough go <laughs> <laughs> so then where did you kind of like because obviously a lot of people like their entrance point is kind of i guess the quote-unquote more kind of a, a mainstream form of sort of alternative music and punk but then obviously everyone kind of goes off and discovers their own tastes and things. So, 
where did you kind of go from there and what would you kind of define as kind of like the first band that you kind of latched onto sort of thing Okay. I I met a kid after finding like a DIY space for the like finding like a DIY space. I, I remember meeting a kid in a band. His name was Justin. He started like showing me like screamo and like some things like that. And I remember yeah. He was like, I had the assistant. It was People versus the State. I remember just being like, What the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> and then like that started a whole like rabbit hole in his own. And then like. Bands like Daughters were coming out and like the weird like techie metalcore and then like ska metalcore like Folly. Yeah. It was a it was a fun it was a fun time to be in New Jersey. There's a lot of really good things coming around. Like by the time I was like getting out of high school. Yeah. And like tail end of high school. So then in terms of your own kind of musical exploration, obviously playing guitar in, in Soul Glow now, so was the guitar always the thing that you were kind of interested in? Did you play other instruments when you were younger? Where did your own musical sort of uh, sort of playing come into things? Um, I was a terrible, terrible uh, trumpet player. In high <laughs> okay. I was god awful. <laughs> I wanted to be good, but goddamn it, I sucked. Um, my teacher made fun of me about it. Oh no! And, uh, Okay, cool. Playing in like drop, playing in B. <laughs> yeah. Like a fake youth crew band. Um, and that was just like kind of like how I started getting all into it. Playing a couple of different types of bands, different couple of instruments, and so it was just kind of been its own experimental thing. Yeah. So, what? Why were you kind of drawn to the trumpet in the first place? I really like jazz as a kid. I think. Like, okay. Right. So then, or it was too expensive, and 
So was it just a case of it, that it just didn't connect and you couldn't sort of put, pull it off sort of thing? I wasn't really that good. I also, like, for most of that time, I was like, me and my grandparents and my dad were all living in the same place. So I didn't really want to, like, get loud with this Right, trumpet. yeah. Because I didn't really know where else to go practice. So, like, I would only practice when I was, like, at school for the class and I would just watch it. Yeah. So then if we kind of go back to you discovering sort of like the more kind of punk sort of world of things, you said you kind of grew up in, in New Jersey but moved to Pennsylvania. So when were you sort of going to shows? Where, where were you at that point? I was in... When I found like uh, this one venue that had... That was like a DIY spot was freshman in high school. Freshman okay. sophomore. So where was that? Roselle Park, New Jersey, at a place called The Cove. Okay, cool. So the the reason I ask is I always find, especially in America, like where it's such a, a big country, obviously scenes vary and sort of are vastly different from sort of not just state to state, but obviously town to town as well. So was there quite sort of a thriving scene there or did you kind of find it quite hard to discover that kind of like live music? Yeah. We didn't know any of the bands personally. We couldn't. We weren't good at any instruments either. We were just really excited to like see bands, see music. It didn't really matter who was playing. We just went. Yeah. <laughs> some night it'd be like eight people. Some night it'd be like a hundred people. It was just yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, in terms of kind of your kind of, I guess, sort of like starting to go to shows and sort of starting bands as well, like. With you being a person of colour, like, was that something that was a barrier in the early days, or was it something... Because, obviously, I can't speak of how things were for you growing up, but, like, was it a barrier? Were people quite open and accepting? How was that kind of element? I mean, it's like anything. It was like, sometimes there'd be a problem, sometimes no. But I got lucky that there was a black woman who ran the place that I went to. Oh, okay, cool. So she wasn't, she didn't fuck with that. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was a great place to start. Yeah. But like, I don't know, it was, it was hard finding, it was, first it was hard to like find it, and then it was just like, once I got past just that one little building, finding anything else was really hard for a little bit, until I like met some more people, and then, I don't know, sometimes like, people get, like, once the internet age hit, I think... People thought I was like, I get like weird stares sometimes showing up places. Okay. Like depending on how I'm dressed. Like it's more, it's weirder now than it was then. Oh, okay. That's interesting. <laughs> if it makes any sense. No, no, no. Like, uh, can you kind of elaborate on that? Like in, in what aspects? Um, I feel like back then it was just like, if you found it, you found it. 
scary. Yeah. So I remember just like first couple times before like Facebook or really like even really know how to use MySpace, I was just like text this number and I get an address and like sometimes it was a map or hope that my friend had a map or and then like later on it became like map clubs. But if you got there, everyone was pretty chill with you being there. Yeah. Like, no one really questioned because you didn't know who was gonna show up anyway. Yeah. And then as time progressed, like it got weirder with the internet to me. Okay. Because I feel like sometimes it's just like, oh, you must be lost if you're here. Like I don't know. That's those are like looks I've gotten before playing a set in like different parts of the country. Right. Okay. Is it like is that kind of like a? I I don't want to kind of stereotype, and I don't mean this in a like derogatory way in any shape or form, but. Is that, like, a sense, because, I don't know, like, even here in the UK, there's not that many people of colour that are involved in, sort of, the punk and hardcore scene, so is it that kind of aspect? I mean, there's, it really just depends where you are and what type of genre, some genres right, are okay. Um, I don't know, like, I've just been places where it's just kind of like, if I didn't dress in a way that looked like the majority it just like it would be weird at first right okay <laughs> yeah well if we I've, I've kind of gone off on a bit of a tangent so we'll get, get you back into the music so what were you like when you sort of started, started picking up a guitar and like as you said kind of playing around with bass and then sort of moving on to guitar like what would you kind of class as your your first band and what sort of genre of music was that playing Okay. And then for a while after I was like Matthew Indie Rock for a while while like dabbling with other bands here and there and other types of music. Yeah. So then what would you kind of consider like your first sort of band of kind of note in, in aspects? Because obviously like now with Soul Glow you're doing sort of various records like Left, Right and Centre doing various tours. So was there bands before that that were kind of on the road and doing stuff that that you I kind of... Right, that's cool. But, um, but I was in another band called Secret Plot to destroy the entire universe. That was a name, fucking wicked but, like, name. <laughs> yeah, but like it was more on the post-hardcore side. That band did a lot of touring. That was all of my first like real tours, right? Like, going across the country twice and just like weekend tours here and there. That was really like my first like any of that. And the dude who was, you know, the like the main the main guy of it he like was very experienced with it so he was it was a very like easy way to start with it because it wasn't all of us like wet around the ears it was just he was like very seasoned yeah so was was that just mainly over in the states did you sort of go go elsewhere I never I never left the country with a band so well okay cool so in I guess that kind of moves us on nicely then so how did Soul Glow come to be? How did you, all you guys meet? And like, what was the kind of embryonic stages of the band like? Um, 
to start a band with some kids who like were coming to shows at my house a lot and I just kind of like put a thing and be like does anybody want to jam and one kid hit me up I knew his, his real good friend played drums as they want to play drums and then after I had that I was just kind of I kind of want to see have someone in front who like said something I would want to hear yeah and that was Pierce and like I heard his other bands and like you know his lyrical content I was just like yeah <laughs> and I hadn't, heard him, I hadn't really heard him like front a heavy band so it was just and he had been talking about it because I used to see him at shows as well and he was cool with it and everything kind of started moving very quickly after that yeah so, uh, the age gap was intense so, like they were they were much younger than me oh okay but I was like I had no intention of doing anything more like playing a couple of local shows yeah so, what kind of bands was Pierce in before then? Um, I'm, I'm not going to speak on his behalf because I feel like we, we feel differently about his genre of music. Yeah. Um, it was like kind of indie punk. I don't know. No, I, I was like, just... Kind of towards, kind of towards Twinkle. Yeah, I was just I was just interested because you said if he hadn't he wasn't in sort of heavy bands before, so I wasn't sure like he's, where he's had a lot of bands, uh, teams and trucks, Joshua Blotnick. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd heard of both those, those last two bands. I heard of him talk about both of them, but I hadn't really heard them much. Right. Okay. But I knew that we enjoyed the same type of music, so I was like, I just asked. <laughs> yeah. So, like, when when you kind of got in a room together and stuff, because obviously the, the sound that we hear now is obviously very fast, very aggressive, still kind of has that sort of screamo element to it, but it's something on to its own as well. So what were the kind of initial ideas of the band? What, like, what kind of sound were you kind of looking for in, the, in those early stages? Yeah. We wrote thir- we started in July. We recorded 13 songs in November. Right. And it was kind of like if everyone agreed on it, we just kept going. <laughs> Fair enough. Cuz I I don't that the, the first 13 songs there's like definitely like one or two songs that would like be considered new metal and a couple other songs that we were like trying to like kind of write to be faster more pylons some would just have like quick like hardcore songs yeah it's kind of whatever went yeah that's cool so like as you said like things kind of accelerated quite quickly like for, from the off sort of thing so were you like after doing that initial record like when were you sort of were you already kind of like hitting the road were you just doing sort of local shows for a little bit as you mentioned or did offers start coming in quite quickly Yeah. And then it was like three weeks. And then 
schedule for us. Um, I don't know. It's always been like a little bit here, a little bit there. If we have a reason to like go out a little bit longer, like we'll do it. <laughs> yeah. So the in terms of kind of, I don't know, like kind of recognition in in some shape or form, like obviously. I think obviously you guys did Europe in the summer, uh, summer just gone and like obviously that kind of got you sort of a bit more notice over this sort of side of the Atlantic but like when did you kind of start notice that people were kind of like vibing off what you guys were doing like started taking notice of the band was there a kind of a point when that sort of light bulb clicked at all? to sort of ask about is obviously I think obviously you do have some titles to some of the tracks but a lot of the the tracks that you have are, are purely just numbered there's no sort of names to them or anything so what was the... <laughs> I hear the laughter so what um was there kind of an idea behind that was it just a case of when you started it was one two three four five and they just carried on where did that all come from the first 13 songs are all named yeah Right, okay. So just in the order that we wrote it. And even like with the Nick title ones, we were still using numbers. And then once we got new members, it started, it started to get confusing to be like, they would listen to the recordings and be like, oh, it's track one. And we're like, oh no, that's 19. <laughs> we're just like, what? <laughs> so now we've gone back to names. But are your set list still numbers? Right, okay. And the full length we're working on also all have names. Right. That one recording. Cool. And and in terms of, like, I I don't want to keep sort of harping on about this, but, like, when you guys kind of started out as a band, obviously being a band of sort of members of of colour sort of thing, like, again, was that a, a stumbling block in some aspects? Or I don't, I don't want to sound, sound say, like it was something different so people maybe gravitated towards it sort of thing I don't know like how was it kind of perceived in the early days when we first came out we were it was half and half right two people coloured two uh, uh, white folk right and um when one member quit we had already been talking to our current bass player Gigi about maybe playing second guitar and it just so happened at the day we were talking to him was the day that our bass player quit we were like actually how about you play bass we had all the, like we had a bunch of shows lined up we were just like yeah yeah <laughs> so that's how that happened and then we kind of were trying to keep it where it was whoever if anyone 
left and someone came in that had to be, you know, preferably black. Yeah. Or at least a purple color. And um, we had a fill-in drummer for that, for, uh, for a tour that was uh, also a purple color, and that got fucked in. That was a rough tour. Really? <laughs> I pulled over, like, like, two or three times in, like, almost in a row. Oh, shit. <laughs> Yeah, like coming out, of, we came out of Canada. They definitely like they, there was no question. They looked at our passports like, yeah, y'all are gonna stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then we got the, and then the cargo car got towed, and then we got pulled over the day after that, going to uh, going to Kansas City. <laughs> Fucking hell. And after that, we did like. We didn't have a drummer for a little bit. We had two fill-ins. Yeah. Uh, the drummer from Mannequin Pussy, Kayleen, who's an incredible drummer. That band's tight. And also, we had our, our current drummer now, TJ. Yeah. Who plays the Nine of Swords. And TJ had been through a couple of uh, emotional tours with us. Yeah. And was holding it down, and we were just like, fuck it. And we were just like, we asked them if they want to join us. Now TJ is the fourth, but uh, it was it wasn't active at first. Then we kind of tried to keep it active, and we're just trying to keep it together now. Yeah, <laughs> and kind of on the on the flip side of of kind of the, I guess maybe some of the negative reaction that you have had, like for sort of younger people that are kind of seeing you guys getting like obviously a band that's getting attention, getting a bit of buzz around it. Have you found that sort of like younger people of color are kind of appreciating your band because they're seeing you guys on stage play, playing with bands like Touche and Pianos recently? Have you found that kind of side of things at all? We see, we see more like black kids, like we don't see a lot more like like black kids and like black kids just like it's been cool. Like with every tour, there's more than the last time. And yeah, I mean it, it's definitely nice it's, I don't know it's just like something you just kind of hope yeah cause like it's it's easier for us too cause it's just like we're not just the only we're not the only black folk in the room <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I guess lyrically even like it's more geared in that direction so like I don't know it's, it's definitely nice yeah and obviously you mentioned kind of briefly there sort of like lyrically obviously your music is kind of very much speaking of kind of lived experiences from from either Pierce or the rest of, of the band sort of thing. So Pierce definitely crafts uh, most of the words. Uh, Gigi as more as as, get, as he's getting more parts in recorded music, he's like putting his own lyrics in as well. Yeah, but like in in terms of that, like I don't know because like some pe- some bands will sort of use kind of metaphors and things like that of the messages that they want to put across but for you guys it is very much there on the sleeve sort of thing so was that always kind of something that you wanted to do was that talk about those lived experiences that you'd been through through music so to say uh again again i don't want like speak for peers yeah Uh, i know that like that was definitely a thing at first was just kind of like letting a lot of like internal things out and it's just like there's definitely a part of it every day so it, it comes out because you're living I don't know yeah, 
that's cool. Um, but the only reason I, I sort of kind of mentioned that is obviously the the artwork of your most recent record is very striking and very kind of obviously of a moment you mentioned obviously the tour where you got pulled over a couple of times in in succession sort of thing. So I, we didn't know that was happening. Okay. I can imagine. But yeah, nah, he sent that after the fact. Yeah. And I was being and when we saw it, we had already we had been talking about like covers at the time and he sent it was like, Holy shit. Yeah. And it it, it it's still kinda awkward to look at. I don't like looking at the real at the cover. <laughs> but uh, that day was fucked up. Well but that's the reason I, I kind of I say it is is because like I don't know, like, it kind of says on the tin, like, the experiences that you guys go th- have been through and gone through sort of thing. So was that a, a kind of a reason why you chose that? Obviously, as I say, like, not saying that, not knowing that it happened, obviously the time that the photo was being taken, but was that the reason you chose it? Because it's almost putting it in front of everyone and saying, look, this is why we're a pissed off angry band, so to say. I mean, every every photo is from just something during that period of time with that band. Like, yeah. The two little kids out front of of the police station. That was what that was just my uh, the block I lived on. Those were like my neighbors. Oh, okay. And I, was the, and I lived diagonal from that police station. <laughs> and that flag I got in Denton, Texas. Right. Fort Worth, to be exact. I just had it for all these years and like the time of everything happened like in November of that year was like hella times of the year we were like recording the record and like I don't know everyone was very just like high strong yeah and we were just like I was like getting rid of it and we were just like all kind of like a little stoned and drunk just like we we took the picture not intending on it to be the cover we just happened to like the way it looked yeah and it was just like it's an iPhone cover no one's gonna look at this it doesn't matter <laughs> and like yeah they're all iPhone they're all basically iPhone photos oh okay every cover. I mean they look fucking cool so if it works it works <laughs> yeah it was just like all four of them were just like pictures taken on the phone and like some free app or like the guy who ended up putting out the records like him and a friend Perry will like just kind of like add the wording and like make a black and white yeah yeah and then in ter- I've mentioned obviously you guys were over here in Europe I was lucky enough to see you um, at Mr. Stars Festival so how was the had you was coming over to Europe was that your first time here oh yeah that was, my, that was our, any of our first times in Europe right so how was that experience for you like how did you kind of find the European crowds how were the shows in general because I think like every most people I spoke to at Mr. Stars were like kind of really buzzing that you guys were playing it so how how was the whole thing in, in general? Um, 
say that the crowds were very nice. It was a it was a humbling experience. Yeah. Um, especially Mr. Stars, that was very intense for us. And and bittersweet, our our bass player couldn't be with us. He can't if we go outside the US. He can't come with us. He's on probation. Oh, okay. Um, but uh, I definitely will not forget that trip for yeah. as long forever. Yeah. There was some ups and some some downs. Yeah. But in terms of kind kind of like the the shows though, like what how were you kind of perceived? It was a great reaction. Um, there's a there's a couple of places that were like very memorable for us. Uh, Romania was incredible. Hungary was also like just a really great time. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I, it was respectful. It was. I don't know. I didn't really. It was a lot. Some of the responses were better than we, we ever get at home. Yeah. And some of them were just like, really just like one of a kind of event. Like, nice, like Romania, especially, was just like, it was wild from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then. Uh, oh, sorry, carry on. Yeah. No, it was. The, the crowds were a lot cooler than I, than I didn't really know what to expect going in. None of us did. Yeah. Because how long was the actual, like, the whole sort of stint about, about three weeks okay so quite sub- substantial then yeah it was way longer we, we should not have done that <laughs> fair enough and then I think like I don't know like because obviously I'd kind of picked up from you guys um, a little bit before kind of Mr. Stars but I think like since then like I've seen your name being sort of posted around a lot more and obviously recently kind of doing the shows with Touche and Piano sort of thing so have you found that doing those shows has kind of widened your audience in any aspect? Well the Touche tour was before we even left for Europe. Oh okay. That was a month before we left. Right. Um, we hadn't had the new record out so, a lot of people didn't really know what to expect because most of our set was the record that was about to come out. Right. But it was really awesome. Uh, it was, every night, I feel like it's just kind of like they don't know what they're gonna do. And we don't know what we're gonna do. <laughs> we don't have like we don't play the same set list. We kind of will change it any given night. Yeah. So it's just it's a next night experience. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Gadu- the Gadway Drums Dream Run was the most fun in as far as like playing to like similar audiences but definitely different audiences. Yeah. And then that was yeah. And then sort of in terms of kind of you mentioned sort of kind of doing a new record at the moment, but it's, it kind of seems like you guys are very much one thing after the after the next in terms of sort of recording and touring sort of thing so is that kind of your mentality that you just kind of want to keep the cogs turning um the the record had been done for a year before it came out well the 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 latest one yeah it was on soundcloud actually the whole time okay (laughs) no one somehow listened to it it was funny to us but like we got a remix remaster when it got like properly released yeah um, we put loose tracks on there a lot. 
because we we can. Yeah. We have like uh, there's there's some access from where Pierce and Gigi live. We're like we sometimes have access to a space to like get a really good like rough demo like one mic on everything and like vocals. Yeah. And Gigi has learned to record like amazingly actually. <laughs> um from like YouTube questions just like oh, talking to people. Um and a lot of the recordings down there that have been loose have been him. Okay. And, yeah. And like we'll put up the loose songs because we like what we wrote. We don't necessarily think it fits either of the releases that we're working on, so here's a loose song. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, we just kind of been quietly working on these two releases. Even while we were waiting for that, the most current record to come out. Okay. <laughs> but so is that is it just the case of kind of like you're constantly sort of writing things, so that's why you're kind of wanting to sort of, as you say, do these loose releases and just sort of feed things out? Is it just that you're constantly having ideas ch- churning, so to say? Every, yeah, every, every time we practice, unless it's before a show, is just a writing practice. Okay. That's pretty cool. I think not many bands probably do that. To be fair, we just start the practice with whatever the last couple songs we wrote, just to keep them fresh, and then we'll go back to writing. And then if we have a show coming up, we'll have a practice and go over the set, whatever set that we've chosen for that night. Yeah. Then and then we'll continue. So I guess in that aspect as well, I obviously having seen you guys, like your set is very fast paced and quite quick, but. So you, I guess you can obviously squeeze a lot in there in some aspects, but does that, I guess that kind of mentality of having a lot of like writing done and stuff, does that kind of sometimes hinder your set or does it always keep it fresh in some aspects? Um, we limit the amount of new songs we'll do. Right. Um, depending on which order it's going to come out in, we'll like, only play like once in a blue moon if it's like a really good night yeah and we it takes Pierce some time to write lyrics okay so even though we're writing all the time we're still waiting for lyrics right okay but then like in terms of kind of I don't know like if you've got sort of like newer stuff kind of coming into the set does that like then mean older stuff is completely off the shelf or does it sometimes get harder to revisit older songs because you're so forward thinking so to say it's too many songs to show uh, both Gigi and TJ all of them because technically we're somewhere in the 40s right (laughs) yeah and so like all the songs that we have been playing or that were normal when they joined we taught them that and then whatever new songs we're working on right okay like the first 20 songs we maybe play like up to like six songs of them right of the 20 though yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fair enough I guess we, we've, we've discussed like relearning the, like some of the other ones but like not all of them yeah I guess in some aspects does that kind of help you like kind of timestamp the band in some aspects because like if you've got I don't know as you say like collectively at the moment you've got around sort of 40 40 odd songs and you're still writing more so 
can you kind of take it in chunks like say oh yeah these 10 songs are from that period these 10 songs are from this period so to say um we know up to what number each member started right <laughs> that's pretty cool well, yeah, there's a couple well there's a couple period of time while we were looking for the drummer that Pierce was playing drums oh okay yeah Pierce Pierce writes uh some of the songs strictly from a bass perspective like it'll be all him that's pretty and cool just kind of fill in all of the, the like space around it yeah and then Gigi's coming with songs or parts of songs and we'll fill in the rest or I'll have like half a song and then we'll write it out like we'll jam it out until we like finish it so yeah every we'll, we will try any idea once yeah if anyone brings up something in practice while writing we will at least try the idea once before we mix it yeah doesn't matter how crazy it sounds if it's physically possible we'll try it once <laughs> that's very cool um and then in terms of kind of where you're going forward obviously you mentioned sort of like new records and stuff and obviously we're coming up to the the end of the year now so are you already sort of planning ahead for 2020 like where where do things kind of stand with you guys at the moment we are almost done recording everything for a five song ep um once that's done we need to finish writing two or three songs and then like rehash another one too but like most of the skeleton is written for a full life yeah and we'll start that maybe middle or end of next year yeah so have you got sort of plan uh, this is purely from a selfish point of view but any plans to come back to to Europe at all <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I'll be honest about that uh, not for a minute yeah um, Yeah. And we can go and do, do it properly. That's even fine. That tour, like, there's a lot of things that we could not do because of we were limited with uh, what the songs that our friend Rob, who was filling in, knew. Yeah. And, and like, it's, it's a lot to ask of somebody, like, wearing some of those songs, like, or that many of them. Yeah, no, that's that's fair enough. Um, I don't, I don't want to kind of dwell on it and obviously if you don't want to talk about it the subject you're cool but you mentioned obviously with your basis sort of being on probation was this from the the incident that was kind of reported um on i think it was brooklyn vegan where where so are you able to kind of talk about that a bit or would you rather not uh nah no that's no, that's absolutely cool. I just like I just wanted to clarify if that was the the same thing, but if yeah, I understand, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Cool, um, Ruben. How I like to sort of end these little chats is to to ask my guests what their favorite track is. It might be a bit, little bit difficult with you guys. You've got so many, um, but with a bit of a twist. So, what's your favorite Soul Glow song that you like to play live, and why? That we play live. Yeah. Go for it. Uh, twenty-seven. Yeah. Is really fun to play live because it's so fast and it's like kind of dizzying at the middle. Because like, <laughs> there's a part where like the first note and the last note are exactly the same, so if you get lost 
it's you're you're done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so like something somebody else would have to change before you could come back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's a fun challenge. Like every time we're done playing it, everyone's just like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all play with high spirits. And then the other one is a song that hasn't been released yet and probably won't be for a, got a good amount of time. Okay, cool. Perfect. Well, uh, oh, sorry, go. Nah, that song is Piers and Gigi switch instruments at the tail end of the song. Oh, sick. And it's a, uh, it's just, it's, who's gonna be my ass? It's, it's fun. That's <laughs> cool. Those two are the most fun. Cool. Well, that song I, is weird. <laughs> I look forward to hearing the new stuff when it comes out. Thank you. Um, Reuben, thank you very much for, for taking the time to have this little chat. Really appreciate it. Thank you for talking. No worries, man. Take care. You too. Have a good Cheers. Time. Bye. So there we have it, folks. A massive thank you again to Ruben for taking some time out of his day to have a chat with me, uh, especially after him being stuck in traffic for, for so long and then having to have me fire questions at him for, for almost an hour. So, yeah, really appreciate that. Um, as always, you can keep up to date with everything that Soul Glow are doing by visiting all their various social media platforms. Um, I'm very much excited to hear new material from them. Obviously, their latest full-length only came out in the summer, so it just shows how prolific a band they are in terms of churning out new material. Um, also, there'll be, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, There'll be links to the Solidarity Not Silence campaign, as well as all the punch-on tour dates, um, which I hope to see many of you at, which will be lovely. Um, That is it for another week. Thank you again, as always, for stopping by the Justin Insight podcast, and I will see you soon. (laughs) 